Wonderful worship service. Presence of the Lord here today. That was wonderful. I enjoyed that so much. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Praise God. That's a great song. Well, uh, it's a privilege for Patty and I to be here with you today. I appreciate Pastor Lynn uh, asking us to come and, and to uh, share the word while he is uh, gone this week. And, and Lord willing, Dad be here next Sunday morning. And uh, it's, a, it's just a privilege to, to be here. We appreciate you all, appreciate this church. And you all are a, a great blessing. Uh, Patty and I, we live not too far from here now. We uh, bought a house last year. We, we've sold the house that we lived in in Benton and bought a house over in Palma. Mom and Dad have moved in with us. And uh, we're all one big happy family, me and Patty, Daddy and Mama, and two corgi dogs. Hallelujah. And to tell you the truth, the corgis run the house. It's really their house. And uh, But we're having a fantastic time. And... Uh, just be uh, be praying for Dad. He was sick this uh, last night. He, he has an inner ear issue that sometimes uh, uh, disorients him and causes lots of problems. And so he's been suffering with that uh, last night. And so they're home today. But we just believe that by next Sunday he's going to be going 100 miles an hour. Hallelujah. And so uh, that's going to be a great day. Uh, I think most of you know about what we're involved in as far as missions. Uh, if not, I lead a mission organization called World Missions and Evangelism. If you want to know all about World Missions and Evangelism, our organization, go to World Missions. Don't forget the S, W-O-R-L-D-M-I-S-S-I-O-N-S, Evangelism, E-V-A-N-G-L-S-I-S-M, worldmissionsevangelism.com. And there's a website. We have missionaries all over the world. A lot of great things are happening. And our primary focus is on training disciple makers and church planters in Latin America. And we started this project in the country of Honduras in Central America in 2008. Missionaries actually moved there in 2007. They st- we started training Hondurans how to reach out and make disciples and, and lead people to Christ and form them into groups and plant churches. That started in 2008. And what we're doing is we're training people how to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. And as a result, they plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. And a movement has begun in Latin America. And I, uh, I was, uh, and, and we're, we're touching now Honduras, uh, Guatemala, Nicaragua. Uh, we have touched El Salvador, Colombia in South America, and Argentina. We're getting ready to do a humongous, a great big training in Argentina in September that is going to train people from Argentina, uh, Peru, uh, Uruguay and Paraguay, and even some people are coming down from Mexico uh, for that training. It's a strange thing. They're going all the way to say they don't really have to because we've done trainings in Mexico, but uh, it's, it's because of relational connections. And so I say all that to say uh, we just started from scratch. We began to train leaders how to go into villages and places where there weren't believers and find people that we call people of peace and begin to share Jesus with them and begin to have Bible studies with them and out of that. And that started in 2008. By 2009, there were 73 groups. By last August, when I was here the last time, six years into the process, there were right at 700 groups and churches. 
by last August. But wait, that was 11 months ago. There are 2,000 groups in churches now. There are, it has tripled in the last 11 months. I'm talking about thousands and thousands of people. Right now, in this movement in Latin America, we are averaging starting five groups every day, getting 15 people accepting Christ every day, and 12 water baptisms every day. That's the average right now. Five new groups, 15 salvations, and 12 water baptisms per day. It's a move of God. I explain it this way. It's like riding a wave. Now, I want to tell you something. People say, Brother David, how are you doing that? That's like asking a surfer, how in the world did you create that wave? When you see a guy on a surfboard, he may know how to stand up on a surfboard, but don't ever confuse that with the fact that he started the wave. How many of you know the wave got started by something else? And God is doing something in Latin America. And there's, it's an explosive multiplying movement right now with thousands of people coming to Christ. And uh, we just want to thank you. We've, every year I've been here, I'm usually here just at least once a year sharing with you. And over the years, the last time I was here, I was reporting 700 groups. I'm here today pr- reporting approximately 2,000 groups. I know it blows your mind. It has to because it blows my mind. In one particular area in Honduras, in an area where five years ago there was not a single, not one, evangelical church of any kind. That means not any kind of church that preached the, the, the gospel of being born again and, and justification by faith. And Not any, not any, not any. I mean, there wasn't a Baptist, there wasn't a Pentecostal, there was no kind of evangelical church there, never had been. In a particular region, in a remote area of Honduras, uh, that's in a section of a river called the Paducah River. You take the word Paducah, change the D to a T, and that's the river basin. Uh, the Paducah River area, there never had been an evangelical church ever five years ago. Now consider this. In 2010, there was not one single evangelical church in the Paducah River basin. And one of the groups that we trained went over there, and by the grace of God, they found an opening. And, they fa- and by the way, there had been people tried to evangelize it for years, and they'd run them out for years. And one of the groups that we have trained and put, given our Bible studies to went over there and found one person that was willing to open their home for a Bible study. This was five years ago. It just so happened that the person who owned that home, he had a son that was the mayor of a small town about, I don't know, five or ten miles away. He began to share what he was learning with his son. Now, our Bible studies, we recorded those, and they're on little devices called mega voice machines. They're about the size of an iPhone, and that's the way the people can come in. They, a lot of people can't read or write, and so they can hear the scriptures and the Bible studies on these machines, and that's one of the ways that we're multiplying this. Well, he got those studies. His son was the mayor of this little town, and the mayor said, those studies are so good that everybody that works for me has to go to a Bible study every week. And so every employee of City Hall in that town had to go to our Bible study every week by orders of the mayor. And, the, and then the word got out, and they put it on a loudspeaker that was our Bible studies. Every Wednesday afternoon began to be uh, blared over a loudspeaker into the 
into the what we would call a court square, but it's not a court. So that's not exactly the way it works down there. But anyway, this, this the park, the central park in this little town, and people would come in and they would sit on the ground and listen to these. And that was five years ago. And today there are over 100 groups and churches in that region. Five years ago, there was not one evangelical church there. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about, riding a wave. God is doing something, and we are so glad to be a part of it. And what I want you to know is that you're a part of it because this church is one of our partnering churches, and this church has prayed into and sowed into uh, this ministry, and we want to thank you for that. And what I want to ask you to do is please, some of you get our prayer uh, email that, that, that goes out every week, and just continue to pray and just pray not just about those Little, because we send little specific prayer requests, but, but don't just pray about it, but pray for the whole movement that thousands and thousands more are going to come. And we believe our goal is nothing less. This is our goal, that every people and every tribe, that every group of people in all of Latin America, from the top of Mexico to the tip of South America, will hear the gospel, and the Great Commission will be, will be brought to closure. The Great Commission will be finished in Latin America. That's what we're believing. And so uh, this is, that's a huge thing, but be, be in prayer and continue to pray. And that's what we're involved in, and we just, that's what we spend our full time doing. I just got back. I was in um, Honduras uh, last month, and we were involved in our training of a lot of people there. And uh, great, great things are happening. And yet when I come home to the United States, I come home and, and I guess in the last month, some of you may have had this same reaction. I have too. I'm burdened for our country right here. And God has called us to bring the gospel to other countries. And when I come home, I'm sometimes almost in tears at what I see happening here. But, you know, the question is, and I I think the number one question that people ask me when I tell them things, when I tell you that 1,300 groups and churches have been planted in the last 11 months, through this specific project, that's mind-boggling to me. And that only happened because there's a move of God and it's multiplying. It just grew and grew and grew and grew. But, when I, but people ask me, they say, oh, Brother David, that's what we need here. That's what we need here. And they say, well, can that happen here? Well, my answer is, is God still God here? Of, is God different? No, it's the same God. It's the same Jesus. It's the same Holy Spirit. And somebody would say, well, what is the difference? What, what, what can we do? I mean, is anybody there? Is anybody feeling this, what I'm talking about? What can we do? What can we do? And we hear this and that and the other. Let's do this. Let's do that. And, and, and I'm here to say, I think I I have at least one answer to that because I understand what's happening in Latin America now. I know what we've been teaching down there. I know what's been going on down there. And I know that the same thing can bear fruit here, but, but here's what it is. And it's not very complicated, but here's what it is. I want you to open your Bibles with me this morning. I'm going to have you turn to two or three places in Scripture this morning. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. I want you to see a, a verse of scripture to start with in Hebrews chapter 4. And what I'm going to speak on this morning, this is not really going to be, even though it sounds, at first it kind of sounds like it's going to be a fiery sermon, it's really not. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of brimstone this morning. <laughs> this is going to be more along the lines 
of a Bible study with you this morning. So if you, if you have a Bible, turn to these places and let's look at some scripture today. If you take notes, if you have a piece of paper, there might even be some things you might want to write down. I want to talk in a very, I, I want to share with you all just really a Bible study for a few minutes this morning. By the time I'm done, you may not, you may, this may feel more like a Sunday school lesson than a sermon. But how many of you know that's okay? Because it's going to be the Word of God. Because I'm talking about what is the difference. I'm telling you there's movement happening in these other countries, and we come home and we see our nation looks like it's going the opposite way as fast as it can. And we sit and we look and we almost despair. But what do we do? What, what, is there something fundamental? Is there somewhere we can go back to the most basic thing and start forward again? What can we do? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, I want you to, to look at this verse. It says, and I think I'm reading out of the New King James Version here. It says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. You see that? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 2. Let me read that again. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So, now what he's talking about here, to to put it in context, he's talking about the children of Israel and how the ones that went in the wilderness with Moses and, 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 and they, how many of you know that whole generation died in the wilderness? Remember? Because they wouldn't go in. And their children did go in. Under Joshua. But that one generation, even though they had seen the hand of God, they had seen all that God was doing, they didn't go into the promised land. And, 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 he, and he actually says it this way. The gospel was preached to us as well as to them. He actually says the gospel was preached to them. And I thought, now, how was the gospel wasn't preached to those guys in the wilderness because not the gospel of Jesus Christ, but in, here's what he's saying. He's saying the good news. The word gospel just means good news. The message, God's message, was preached to them. It wasn't that they didn't hear the form of the gospel that was given to them in that day. The, 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 for them, the gospel was. Paint the blood on the doorpost. The death angel will come by. You'll be delivered. You'll go through the Red Sea. That was, that was a type of the gospel that we now hear, the gospel, the blood of Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, the full gospel. But, but their, their degree of the gospel in their day, they heard it, and they got out in the wilderness, and they wouldn't go in because even though they heard the good news, it didn't profit them. And I'm thinking about that verse, and I'm telling you, if there's a verse that I think describes America today, that's it. Because if there was ever a nation that has heard the gospel, it's the United States of America. Have we heard the gospel? Has anybody ever heard of Billy Graham? 
Have there been crusades? Is there a church on every corner? Is there Christian television, Christian radio? Have we heard the gospel? Yes. And then look left and right, and you'll, say, you'll see as a whole in our, as a whole, I'm not talking about individuals. For you and I, yes, but I'm talking about it as a whole of our, the trend of our nation. They have heard the gospel, but it has not profited them. Amen? And why not? <laughs> not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. In other words, they don't believe it. They have, see, he says you can hear the gospel, hear the good, listen, a good news that is enough to absolutely transform anybody's life. Set anybody free. I mean change a life, change a nation, change a family, whatever. And yet if you don't believe it, you can hear that gospel. You can hear the word of God and it not profit you. Wow. And I think that's the condition that our nation is in. It's not that we haven't heard. It is not that we haven't heard. It's that so many have heard and not believed. And what happens is when that happens, a nation doesn't go into... See, in Latin America, we're taking the gospel. Remember I told you that five years ago in that Patuca River area, there was not one evangelical church. Nobody had really ever even heard there. And now they've heard and there's over 100 groups and churches. That's, that's, That's a group that hadn't heard that when they heard, they did believe and look what happened. But now... In our nation, we've got a nation that has heard and that has turned away from it. And that's a bad thing. So the question is, is it too late? No, it's not too late. You know why it's not too late? Because you and I have heard and yet we've believed. In other words, there is a, there's a way forward, but how it, what is the way forward, okay? Now, I, I want to uh, shift gears and have you to turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And I want to show you something that... Is powerful to me. Uh, what I'm talking to you about, by the way, the, the, the scripture in, 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 in Hebrews 4.2 said, they heard the word and did not profit from it. So today, what I'm, the title of this message, if you, if you want to put a title on this, is how to profit from the word of God. How to profit. And I'm talking about spiritual. I told my wife that title and she says, you mean how to make money off of it? I said, no, that's not it. I didn't say how to turn a profit from the word. That's not what I said. I said how to profit from the word. See, it said they heard it, but it didn't profit them. Those people in the wilderness, they heard it, but it didn't profit them. Well, I want to be able to hear God's word, and I want to profit from it. I want it to do in me what it's supposed to do. How many of you today say, Brother David, I want, God, I want to hear God's word, and I want it to do in me what it's supposed to do. I want to profit from it. I don't want to be like one of those in the wilderness that heard it and it didn't profit and they died in the wilderness. I don't want to be that way. And if my nation is going that direction, my nation may be going that direction, but I'm not going that direction. And I'm going to, not only that, I want to go the other direction in such a way that I become an influence and even those that are going that wrong way start going the good way. God, in Jesus' name, I want, I want to be different. All right. Now, I want to show you this. Understand when I talk about the Word of God, I'm talking about This book right here, the Holy Bible. How many of you have a Bible today? This is God's Word. And first of all, I just want to show you something that just amazes me. When Jesus was raised from the dead, Luke chapter 24 is the last chapter of the, the Gospel of Luke. And of course, it's the chapter where Jesus has raised from the dead. You know, in chapter 23, the next to the last chapter, he was crucified. 
And we know that on the third day, he arose. I want you to consider the fact that Jesus arose. Imagine yourself being one of those disciples. Imagine that you are Peter or James or John or maybe you're Mary Magdalene or one of these other women that went to the tomb. And, and imagine you thought, you, you, you thought Jesus was the Messiah and everything, but then he was crucified and he's been buried for three days and you're, you're, you're about to lose hope. And then all of a sudden you went to the tomb and the stone is rolled away and the angel says he is arisen. And how many of you know that was an exciting day? And everything is, people are running left and right and what's going on and Peter and John are running to the tomb and this and that and other. And finally that night, Jesus appears to the apostles in the room. He appears. Now I want you to look at this. He was dead yesterday. He is alive. He's not just alive. He's not just resuscitated. He is glorified. He is in a, he, he, not see, when Lazarus, when he raised Lazarus, he just resuscitated him, but Lazarus died again. He was raised from the dead, but not made immortal. But Jesus is raised immortal in a glorified body, the same body that he is in right now, 2,000 years later, at the right hand of God the Father, the same body that he will come from heaven. He will come again when he comes for, to get us. And, 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 and that same Jesus, he is glowing with the glory of God. You're looking at a raised, immortal, glorified human being who is also God in the flesh standing in front of you. Wow. Now, let me ask you a question. What do you think he's going to say? You're sitting there looking at the glorified Jesus Christ, and you're asking, whoa, what's going to come out of his mouth? Well, let's look and see what came out of his mouth. In verse 44, Luke 24, 44, and 45. I just want you to see this. Then... When? Right then, the exact scene I described to you. He is standing in front of them in his glorified body. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Now look at verse 45. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he went on to talk to them some more. But I just want to stop there for just a minute. Is it not amazing to you that the resurrected, glorified, glowing, eternal, immortal God-man standing before them in his glory, said, open your Bibles. Which asks the question, how important is this book? How many of you understand, he didn't have to refer to a book if he didn't want to. He is God himself in the flesh, having paid for all sins, having risen from the dead, standing glorified right in front of them. He can say anything he wants to. He says, open your Bibles. Are you starting to understand how important the Bible is? The Word of God. 
the word of God. Consider the fact, is this making an impression? That the resurrected, glorified God in the flesh didn't just say, now let me give you some information. He said, what you need to do is understand what is written. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I may say, boy, I wish I was there. I wish I had been there. I wish I could have seen Jesus. I, we just, but you've got the book in your hand that he referred to. How important is the word of God? You see, he said the problem was that the people heard the word and it didn't profit them because they didn't believe it. Over and over and over again, Jesus himself, who is God in the flesh, points to this book and said, if you want to know what I'm saying, read and understand this book. You see, what I'm seeing today What's, what's hurting our nation is I'm seeing so many people literally spurn, despise, make fun of, and ridicule this book. They say, we don't care what it says. We don't believe what it says. And that's, that's a terrible thing when that happens. Because this is the word of God, and Jesus points us to the word of God. Now, here's the question. How many of you believe that the Bible is the word of God? Let me see your hands. You're there. You believe the Bible is the word of God. We're, we're, we're preaching to the choir today. Hallelujah. That's good. But now here's the question. How much is it profiting you and I? So well, how, how, what do you mean? I believe that it is the word of God, but okay, I don't want to reject it. I want to handle the word. How does God want me to handle God's word? Okay, uh, turn for a moment to Luke chapter 9. Go back. We're still in the gospel of Luke. But Luke chapter 9, and I want you to see verse 44 and 45. Luke 9, 44 and uh, 45. Uh, Jesus is, is walking along with the disciples, and he's speaking to them. And I, I'm just wanting you to pay attention to the words that he says. Luke chapter 9, verse 44 and 45. He says, let these words sink down into your ears. I love it. I mean, how many of you know Jesus isn't wasting any words at all? He's saying important stuff. Let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. He's, he's telling them that he's going to be crucified. But I love the way he put it. Let these words sink down into your ears. How many of you talk that way? Does, do any of you wives, when you're trying to get your husband to listen, do you say, now let these words sink down into your ears? I don't You might want to try it next time. I don't know. Don't know if that'll work. Let, sir, let these words sink down into your ears. And then it says in verse 45, it says, but they did not understand this saying. And it was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. And I'm not going into the context of that story. I'm just illustrating this one thing. Jesus said, you got to let my words sink down into your ears. 
We've already had greetings and fellowship, but let's greet one other one more time. Just turn to your neighbor and say, let this stuff sink in your ears. Go ahead and tell somebody, let this sink into your ears. This is important. Let this sink into your ears. Hallelujah. All right. Now, uh, because, and guess what? It didn't sink into their ears. It says, but they did not understand. Now, what I'm wanting to show you is when Jesus talks this way, he, it's like he is referring to a parable that he told. If you'll turn one chapter more back to Luke chapter 8, go back one more page, Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 4. I told you this is going to be like a Sunday school lesson. I'm just reading scriptures. But if you'll, if you'll work with me today, it's not, this isn't really entertaining, but if you'll work with me, uh, this is one of those sermons where uh, the congregation has to work at, You kind of have to work at it, you know, with me. Some sermons, it's kind of out like on a plate. But today, everybody work together. We're going to get something out of this. Uh, uh, let's read this now. Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 4. And we're going to read through verse 15. It says... And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Yeah, in Revelation, he added what the Spirit says to the church. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Does that remind you of the next chapter? Let these words sink into your ears. He said, when, when Jesus says, let these words sink into your ears, he's saying, just like a seed would sink into the ground when you were sowing it. Let these words sink, take these things in. Don't just hear these and forget. It's very important that you take God's words in and let them sink in. And, and hear it, hear it, don't just hear it audibly and then let it go out of your mind. No, you know, we even talk that way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hear, are you hearing? I know I just said it, but you didn't, you don't look like you heard me. Let me say, are you hearing what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? We talk like that. He said, he that has ears, let him hear. He says, this is so important that you hear what I'm saying. This is Jesus talking. You've got to hear it. And his disciples asked him, verse 9, what does this parable mean? And he said to them, to you has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it's given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Are you seeing a theme here? Jesus is saying some people hear, but they don't hear. And and they see, but they don't see. They don't understand. And guess what? Those that hear and and in, and, and don't understand, they also don't believe, and the word is not profitable to them. Is this making sense to you today? He's saying this is, this is all through the Bible, by the way. I'm just showing you certain places. Again and again, what we're told is God's word has to come into us. We have to take it. We have to hear it a certain way. And if we don't hear it that way, even though we've been exposed to it, it will do us no good. You see what I'm saying? 
And he says, and, and he said, well, what difference does that make? It made a big difference to those Israelites who died in the wilderness. They should have been in the land of milk and honey. They should have gone in after two years. They shouldn't have died after 40 years in the wilderness. They should have gone in after two years and been enjoying the milk and honey. They should have been blessed. They should have had all of that. But they didn't hear. They heard it, but they, not to their prophet. And they died. Listen, this is a matter of life and death. Our nation may be dying because of this. There is eternal consequences about this. This is important. This is not a light thing. He says, in other words, God is speaking in his word. He's speaking. He's crying out. There's a place in Proverbs where it says, wisdom cries out in the streets. It says, wisdom, which is the personified word of God. You can paraphrase it. God's word is crying out in the streets. It's crying out. And our world is not hearing it. He says, you must, this is important. You must hear it. But he said, the problem is that they don't hear and they don't understand. But he said to you, he said, there's some of you that are hearing. He's speaking to his disciples here. To some of you who are following me, you, you are hearing. And he says, to you, it's been given to know the mysteries or the secrets of the kingdom of God. So he says, let me explain this parable. Verse 10, he starts to explain it. Verse 11, I mean. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. So we don't have to wonder, what does that mean? What does this parable mean? Jesus flat told us what this one means, line by line. The seed is the word of God. Now those by the wayside, he said some of the seed went on the wayside, on the roadside. And the seed just sat on the surface. And the birds gobbled it up. Jesus said this is what that means. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. By the way, we've all had that experience, haven't we? How many of you have been at church or a Bible study or just sitting reading the Bible yourself, and next thing you know, your mind's wandering, and, and you, you've, read, you've read a whole chapter, and then you stop and think, now what did I just read? I mean, I've been there, done that, and i got three closets full of T-shirts. Yes, all of us have had that experience. And what happened when that happens? That we, we, we don't even think the devil, you know, you can look out, you can see somebody, some terrible thing happen. You say, the devil did that, and the devil did that, and the devil did that. But we never think that the devil just stole the word from us. Amen. We never do think we just got robbed by the devil when that happens. That never crosses our mind. We say, well, I just let my mind wander. No, there was spiritual warfare going on. The enemy's trying to keep you and I from getting the word of God. Did you know that happens every Sunday in church? Every Sunday, every Sunday night, every time the word's being preached. Did you know there's a battle going on in people's lives? We think church services are are just wonderful things, and they are. But did you know it's a warfare what's going on? You never know the hearts and the lives that the enemy right then, there's a battle. And he's trying, he he tries to disturb, and he says, no, 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 get their attention. Don't let them hear that word. Don't let them, let that go. Oh, what a warfare is going on. Because the enemy knows if you ever get a hold of the word of God, he is in trouble. If you and I ever let that word of God actually sink in, the devil is in trouble in our lives. God's word will set you free. Did you know that? God's word will heal you. God's word will deliver you. God's word will set you free. God's word will set you from hell to heaven. God's word will change a life forever. So he works and he says, 
sometimes it lands just on the surface and the devil gobbles it up. Then verse 13. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Here's what, I'm, here's what he's saying. It says on the rock, but what the, the image is this. It's a thin layer of soil over rock so that the seed goes in, but it can't go deep. And the roots can't go down. And because the roots can't go down, it can't get any moisture. And when the sun, it, it springs up, but it burns up as soon as the sun comes up. And he says, that's what, he says, that illustrates somebody that hears the word. The devil doesn't snatch it from them. They actually hear it. And it goes in, but it doesn't go deep. How many of you know the difference between the word going in your ear, but it going deep in your heart? Because, see, what doesn't go deep in my heart, I won't pay a price for. And it actually says they actually do believe it for a while. Wow. How many of you remember anything that you ever believed for a while? Have you, is this ringing a bell? How many of you can remember that I remember back when I believed something for a while? And then what happened? Why don't you believe it now? Well, because this happened or that happened or the other thing happened. I've discovered that, that some people believe God's word for a little while and some kind of persecution or some kind of external circumstance comes up against them and they say, I'm, I'm going to have to believe my eyes. I'm going to have to believe my flesh rather than believe what God's word says. Hello? Anybody got those t-shirts? I do too. But he says that what happens is it's still unfruitful. They believe for a while. Okay, then he says, verse 14, Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. In other words, he says, there was a third soil where it went in and it sprung up, but there was weeds and the other things choked it out. Oh, this guy heard it and believed it and still believes it. But he's still not fruitful, even though he believes it. Because though he believes it, he wants something else worse. Have you ever been to an area when you know what God wants and then you know what you want and you have to decide? And the fact that you know what God wants shows that at this point you actually are believing God. You really are believing God, but you still want what you want, and you have to choose, am I going to do my thing, or am I going to do God's thing? That's not an issue of belief. That's an issue of obedience. Am I going to do what God says? I, now, this person isn't doubting. He knows what God says. He knows. It's not a matter of doubt for him. He knows what God said to do. And he believes the Bible is God's word. And he even knows what it says. But I still want this other thing. And I'm going to do what I want to do. And he said that chokes it out. How many of you have had all those experiences? I have. I'm standing here in front of you today. I will confess to you. 
There are many times in my life when God tried to speak to me through his word and I didn't even let it go in my ear and 15 minutes later I forgot it and the devil gobbled it up. That's happened to me. I'm here to tell you that in my life there have been times when I saw a truth in God's word and then there was such a warfare and such a thing came against it and, and my mind began to doubt. Is that... Not is the Bible true, but my mind began to doubt that. I probably am, that probably isn't what that means. I, I, I've got that wrong. And I let one of the promises of God go. There have been times in my life, how about you, when I know what God said, and yet my own agenda is wanting to go another direction. And there have been times when I've chose my way over God's way. How about you? And in every one of those cases, the word of God got choked out. But there have been other times in my life, how about you, when I heard the word and I understood it and I believed it and I made a decision, I'm going to obey it. And what does that, what happens there? Verse 15, but the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. In other words, he said, there's times when you hear the word, you understand and believe the word, and you make a decision, I will obey the word no matter what my flesh wants, I'm going to do what God says. And he said, guess what happens in those cases? There's a harvest, 30 and 60 and 100 fold. Glory to God. Now, here's the point. The most important thing about you and I is how do we hear God's word? Don't get me wrong. You might, because I'm using the word here and, and he uses the word here, you might think I'm talking about preaching. You can apply this to preaching, but I'm not just talking about when you hear the word preach. I'm talking about when you and I read the word. When we study the word, whatever format that you take in God's word, how you hear that word is the defining thing about your life. Are we, are we doing okay? How many of you are on the same page with me right now? How you and I hear this word is the most important thing about our life. If I hear it and let it, the devil take it, he's just robbed me. If I hear it but believe it for a little while but then begin to doubt when the times get hard, he's going to steal it from me. If I hear it but I really want something else and of my own free will I choose my way over what I know he said, he's going to steal it from me. But if I hear it, And I believe it. And I say, I don't care what I see with my eyes or what the circumstances say. I'm going to stand on God's word no matter what. And not only that, what I know he's telling me to do, I'm going to obey it even though my flesh doesn't want to. I'm going that way. You persist in that. He says with patience, the last word in verse 15 is patience. That means endurance. That means it doesn't happen instantly. But I've decided I'm going to press through. Standing on this word no matter what, I'm going to obey it. Ultimately, there'll come a harvest. There'll come a harvest. 
Hallelujah. Now, I don't know about you, but that is powerful information, ladies and gentlemen. That is powerful information right there. What I'm giving you right now is something that when today is over, this isn't about just this service, but when this day is over and you walk out of here and you say, uh, I am moving on to the next thing in my life. If you take this information and plug this in, because here, what am I saying? Profiting from the word of God. We're talking about how to profit from the Word of God. Because the problem is, many people are hearing the gospel. They're hearing the Word, but they're not profiting. And the result in the wilderness was the whole group died in the wilderness. And the result in our nation is where we are today, but it can change. If we will say, first of all, it's going to change in me. It's going to start right here. Right here, I'm going to hear God's Word and read God's word. And I'm not going to let the devil steal it. And when I find the devil trying to steal it from me, when I find him coming in trying to cloud my mind, I'm going to say, get behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name, go away. I'm going to persist. I'm going to hear what God said. And then we say, and then I'm going to believe it. And then the enemy says, well, that's not really. And some circumstance or some lying thing comes up, and and you're tempted to say, I don't know. No, I'm going to stand on God's word no matter what. And then comes along your own flesh. Now the enemy is your own flesh. Oh, I want this priority. I want that priority. And here's what God said, but I'm going to do this. And and you say, no, I'm going to do what God said, and I'm going to persist with endurance in it. I'm telling you something. That will change your and my life. Now then, the only thing that's happening in Latin America when I'm talking about all these groups that are multiplying is that all we're teaching people to do. So what are you teaching people? We're teaching people how to study the Bible this way and how they can turn around and teach somebody else to study the Bible this way and how they can turn around and teach somebody else to study the Bible this way and how they can turn around and teach somebody else how to study the Bible this way and how they can turn around and teach the Bible how to study the Bible this way and it multiplies, multiplies, multiplies and a nation is being changed. And could that happen here? You bet it could. Because we have the same word and the same Holy Spirit. We just have to make a determination. I'm not going to hear the word of God without profit. It's going to profit me, and I'm going to disciple others to do the same thing. That's the key. That's it. It's that simple. Now, let me... uh, Talk about this for a few minutes. How to understand the Bible to fully profit from it. If you're taking notes, this would be worth, some of this right here would be worth writing down. When we read the Bible, this is going to be almost like how to study the Bible. I know this is unusual on a Sunday morning, but I'm just going to, I want to give this to you. So many people come to the Word of God. I say, read the Bible. And they look at this book, and it's so big. And inter- This is big because my eyes are now almost 53 years old, and I need bigger print now. I really would prefer carrying around a smaller Bible, but this, was, this one's a little easier for me. To, I do sometimes carry a smaller one, but it's a little easier for me to see the print. How, do, I mean, and because after all, you hear all kinds of stuff. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, I'm on Facebook. Are any of y'all on Facebook? Has Facebook gone insane the last month? Yeah. 
I even contributed to it a little bit. But anyway, uh, you see, so what amazes me is how many amazing things people think. And, and, and people will say, well, I can't understand the Bible. It's got all those books in it and the these and the thous, and I don't know. And then, and then some people say, well, this part over here says this, and this part over here says there's Old Testament and New Testament, and I don't even know how to, how, I don't even know how to read the Bible. Can I give you in, in 10 minutes how to understand the whole Bible? How many would you like to understand the whole Bible in 10 minutes? You ready? Strap in, put on your seatbelt, here it goes. The Bible is written in several sections. First of all, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament, the word testament means covenant. It was the covenant that God made with Moses and the people of Israel when they came out of, out of, uh, out of Egypt. The first five books are called the Law or the Torah or the Pentateuch. These were written by Moses. And they tell us about the creation of the world all the way up. And then Exodus from their own, it's the children of Israel and how God made the covenant with them. The terms of that covenant, it's also known as the law. And this is God's standards of right and wrong. This is in the old covenant. Then after that, from the book of Joshua on, until you get through Second Chronicles and, and, and Ezra and, and Nehemiah and Esther, those are the historical books. It explains how the nation of Israel, how, what they did with that once they went into the land and took the land of Canaan and how they lived there and, and so forth and, and, and how they failed to obey God and after that. And then after those books, you have the Psalms and the Proverbs. You have poetic books. These are books of worship and books of wisdom. Some of them are prophetic. They're prophecies in the poetry books. That's Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and and, uh, Job and Song of Solomon. And then you have the prophetic books starting with Isaiah. And these are books that prophets wrote. And there was Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and, and Daniel. These are the major prophets. And then there are 12 minor prophets. And these are Israeli Jewish prophets that are prophesying during the Old Testament period. And the one thing that they're all, they're prophesying about the judgment that was going to come on Israel because they were disobeying God. And they're prophesying of the future glory that will come on Israel when they turn back to God. And the main thing they're prophesying about is the coming of a Messiah who will redeem the whole world. That's the Old Testament. And then we have our New Testament. It's the story of the new, again, the word testament means covenant. Because even though that old covenant is true, the Old Testament is true, and it's still the word of God, and it still reveals God's standards of right and wrong, we are not under the Old Testament law anymore. Because you and I are under the new covenant because Jesus came. God became man. And the the New Testament starts with four books called the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the story of Jesus. And it's the story of his birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And how he redeemed mankind. The book of Acts is the history book of the early church. It tells what happened after the resurrection of Jesus, how the early church began. It covers 30 years from the day of Pentecost till Paul being in prison in Rome, 30-year period, how the church began to obey what Jesus said and how the gospel began to spread out. Then the rest of the books, except for Revelation, are epistles, starting with the book of Romans, ending with the book of Jude, most of them written by the apostle Paul. These are epistles. These are teachings. These are teachings to Christians, to people under the new covenant. Instead of living under the Old Testament law, we are under grace. But how are people under grace supposed to live? And how we're supposed to live is taught line by line, page by page by page in the epistles. And then what's going to happen in the future until the end of time when Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom forever and ever? That's called the book of Revelation. That's the whole Bible. Now, let me explain this to you. 
Therefore, I see the Bible in four categories. And I'm going to go back and start with category one, the Gospels. Read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in order to know the life, the character, the teachings, and the commands of Jesus Christ. I love the red letters. The red letters in your Bible, if you have a red letter Bible, are the words actually spoken by Jesus in the Bible. Jesus is known as the Word of God. How many of you know the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh? So Jesus is the Word. So I love the red letters because the red letters are the words of the Word in the Word. The red letters are the words of the Word, Jesus Christ, in the Word, the Holy Bible. The words of the Word in the Word, those are the red letters. You just... I tell you what, by the way, I got news for you. Read them, and he expects us to do them. I'm just telling you. He hadn't changed his mind, and he is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our God, and, and we, we follow him. Give priority to Jesus. Spend time in the Gospels. You know, uh, People hear about people with great ministries and great anointing and everything. How many of you remember who Oral Roberts was? He, he passed away a few years ago, not long ago. But people say, oh, I, I wish I could have a great healing anointing like Oral Roberts. Oh, uh, apparently God just, just willy-nilly just goes out and selects him, you know. There was Oral Roberts just walking along, minding his own business, and God says, bam, you have the gift of healing. Is that how it happened? Well, if you read his life story, you'll find out that's not how it happened. If you understand the life of Oral Roberts and read his own story, you'll find out that he was a young preacher. God did heal him as a boy, and he got saved and was in ministry. And because God had healed him, he got a burden to have a healing ministry for other people. And so what he did was he took Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he got on his knees, and he read through the four Gospels over and over and over and over and over over and over. He read the healings of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus. He fed that into himself days and days and days and days and suddenly while he was doing that, the anointing of the Holy Spirit came upon him and faith rose up in him and he believed Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever and if Jesus could do it then, he can do it now and he got up off his knees after for days and days and days and days reading the four gospels over and over and over and said rent the building and put up the sign we're having a healing meeting and people showed up and he laid hands on them they got healed and boom you've heard of all Roberts and it started when an ordinary human being read the gospels over and over and over and over and over and over looking for God's healing power and found it in the word because the spirit anoints the word hallelujah glory to God well, I wish I could have that anointing. Do any of you have a Bible with the four Gospels in them? Do you have knees? Go to work. Hallelujah. You see, we often say, we, we, often, we, we think we don't have, listen, you've got everything Oral Roberts had. You've got two, knee, two knees and the four Gospels. Go for it. God, hallelujah. God is no respecter of persons. You see, you have this. The difference is he allowed that seed of the word to go sink in his ears and sink in his heart. 
And he didn't let anything choke it out. And he believed it, and before long it produced fruit. In his case, you probably say a hundredfold. But the Holy Spirit, that same thing, you and I have access to that same word from God. I'm telling you, that, now there's the Gospels. Now, second section, read the book of Acts to learn the ways of the Holy Spirit in the church. Read the book of Acts to learn the ways of the Holy Spirit in the church. You see, we need to understand that the normal life of the Spirit of God in God's people and the way the Holy Spirit operates in the lives of God's people has not changed either. Read the book of Acts. Meditate on the book of Acts, and you'll find out the kind of power and anointing and the way a New Testament church operates and the way God's kingdom multiplies. Read the Gospels to understand the character, the teachings, and the commands of Jesus Christ, and read the book of Acts to understand and follow the ways of the Holy Spirit among his people. And then read the epistles and the book of Revelation, the rest of the New Testament. Read that for the teaching and training in the new covenant you see remember i said it's called the new testament you and i are in the new covenant a covenant is an agreement it's a promise it's literally a blood covenant between almighty god and you it's between god and you because really it's between the father and the son jesus established the covenant on the cross and 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 you are in christ as a child of god So therefore, this is God's covenant agreement. The New Testament is God's covenant agreement. I I don't do it all now because things about my pocket, but I used to have a pocket New Testament in my pocket all the time. And I remember back when I had that, uh, why do you carry that pocket New Testament? Because at any given time, I want to be able to pull out and see God's agreement with me. How many of you have ever had a contract with somebody you had to go back and find out what it said in the contract? The New Testament is your contract between you and God. And the details, the terms of that, co- of that contract is the epistles. Now that includes everything from your rights and the promises that you claim. That's in there. Get into it. Read those epistles and find out what God said belongs to you. And then the devil comes up and says, well, you can't have that. Say, get behind me, Satan. God's word says it's mine. And I will possess my possessions. And then, not only the promises, but there are commands. There are conditions. And I know in the United States in 2015, it's not popular to tell anybody that there's any conditions. But there are. And he says, I want you to do this. He tells us, do this and do that. These are things that I want you to do. You'll find it all. In the epistles. And I want you to know something. Somebody said, but Brother David, I can't understand the Bible. Yes, you can. I can't. I'm just not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. I, I, I haven't been a Christian long enough. I, I haven't been taught enough. I haven't been. Let me tell you something. The people that are multiplying these groups and churches in Honduras are people that are living in poverty. They don't have a house as good as the one you live in. They don't even know what air conditioning is. Most of them don't have a car. Most of our church planters are going in either on a motorcycle we've provided or on foot or on a donkey. They're going in. They don't have air conditioning. They, they live in a hut. They don't have any money. If you have any money at all, you have more than they have for the most part. 
And, and, and not only that, most of them haven't been saved as long as you have. Most of them haven't been, uh, haven't been taught, haven't sat under the good teaching and the hours and hours of teaching that you've said. You've got more money, more stuff, better health. You've got air conditioning. You've got a car. You've been a Christian longer, and you've heard great teaching for years and years and years. Don't tell me that God cannot use you. Because you can't tell me that. that. That's a lie of the devil. The devil is telling people that you can't do it. And he, it is a lie. You can do it. Because in Honduras, I'm seeing people with a lot less than what we have, both physically and even in spirit. And education, some of our church planners can't read. That's why the Bible studies and the scriptures, we've recorded them for them. On a machine where they can push a button. They can't even read and write. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell American people, you're blessed and you're enabled and you've got the same spirit of God and tell the devil to get behind you in Jesus' name and go on and do what God called you to do. You can do it. Find out in the New Testament what God said belongs to you. Find out in the epistles. It's yours. And then the Old Testament what about the Old Testament? Well, God, is God done with the Old Testament? Well, we're not under the Old Covenant, but the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians that the Old Testament is there. It does reveal everything in the Old Testament is true. And number two, the Old Covenant uh, reveals the examples in physical ways of the spiritual victories we're to have right now. You know, Samson went and picked up the gates of a city by the power of God. God hasn't called you to kill any Philistines. God hasn't called you to pick up a sling and a stone and kill a giant in the flesh. But he let David do that in the flesh so you could see a fleshly human example of the victory that you have in the name. You don't sling a stone. You go in the name of Jesus Christ and your enemies. Uh, have to bow before you in Jesus' name. And I'm talking about the spiritual enemies. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against people, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness. We have a power over the devil and the, all demons and over all the uh, wickedness in the spiritual realm. And the Old Testament is our examples of their faith and even of their failures. So that when, when, we, when we're tempted, to, when they went into sin, he shows in the Old Testament what happened when they went into sin so that we won't go into sin. When they, fail, when they forsook God's word, it shows us what happened to them so we won't do that. When they stood up as mighty heroes of faith, Hebrews chapter 11 says imitate their faith. So the Old Testament is examples for our faith. The Gospels is Jesus uh, his teachings, his commands. The book of Acts is the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and the epistles and the rest of the New Testament is your, is your covenant rights in God in the new covenant. And the reason I took the time to go through all that, is that okay? Is everybody doing okay this morning? I know this is strange, it's different. But the reason I went over that is because people say, I can't understand the Bible. Yes, you can. <laughs> Because I just then explained the whole thing to you 
In other words, I gave you an outline. So open the Bible. When you're opening to one of the epistles, you're reading the details of your covenant. When you're reading the book of Acts, you're reading the history of the New Testament church, how the Holy Spirit operates. When you're reading the Gospels, you're reading the commands and teachings and power of Jesus Christ. When you're reading the Old Testament, you're reading the Old Covenant, but you're seeing examples of obedience and disobedience, and it's examples to us. That's what you're going to find when you're in here. That way, when you open this word and you read it for yourself, the seed can sink down into your ears and into your heart. And you can believe it and hold on to it and stand on it and don't let it go and choose what it says over what anything else in the world says. And you wait and see, you will see the fruit in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you might say, Brother David, with all that you've said, going back to the very beginning where we started this morning, I'm about to close. We're going back to the very beginning, and you said the word didn't profit them. And you said that may be our problem in our nation. With all that being said... How can me doing that myself, how can that make a difference in this world? Oh, don't you see? It can. Because what is the seed? The word is the seed, right? But Jesus told another parable. And in another parable of sowing in a field... He said the seed was the sons of the kingdom in a different parable. The seed is the word in your life, and if you and I will profit from it, hear it, understand it, and obey it, then God will take your life and make your life be a seed in our nation. I don't know if you're getting hold of that. God will make you the seed of the kingdom. Glory to God. He said, well, I can't change the whole nation. You can change your little environment around it. You can change your living room. You can change your property where you live. You can change your workspace at work. People next to you that you see every day at work are going to say, something is different about this person. Some of them may not even like it. That's okay. They won't like it until they have a problem and they'll say, you know what, I think this person may have the answer. And before you know it, you're making a disciple to Jesus Christ. You see, if that will happen here in America, a movement will happen that will change our nation. In Latin America, a movement has started. 1,300 groups in the last 11 months. 15 people getting saved a day. Five new groups starting every day. That didn't, by the way, that didn't happen the first 11 months. It started small. It started with, it started with 13 men that we trained in 2008. We started with 13 people. In 2008, there are about 15,000 people involved in it now. It started with 13 people. Or, uh, let's see, we've got a lot more than that here this morning. What could happen in this nation? See, it, started, it starts small, it starts slow. 
But if we'll let ourselves be transformed by the Word of God, we will then become an agent of transformation, and little by little by little. And the reason it becomes fa- it, it becomes big when it just through multiplication. Seven or eight or ten years later, it can move a whole nation. But it can start with you and with me today. I don't know about you, but I've made a decision. I will not, in the name of Jesus, I will not be one of those who hears the word but doesn't profit from it. No, sir. In Jesus' name, I'm going to hear the word. I'm going to let it sink in my ear. I'm going to understand it in Jesus' name. I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to obey it. Hallelujah. And it'll produce fruit in my life. But you know what? It'll produce fruit in other people's lives too. In Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your holy word. I believe that the Bible is your word, Lord. There's so many voices in our world today. So many voices. They're screaming all the time. Oh, they're screaming over television. They're screaming over the radio. They're screaming in the newspapers. We're hearing all these voices. And so many of them are going completely opposite. They're they're pushing. They're denying your word. But Father God, we're not going to spend our time really worrying about that. We're going to spend our time saying, God, through it all, we're going to hear your word. And Lord, that's what I pray. That every person that hears me today, Lord, that every person in this room today, Lord, that, Lord, our ears will be open to the Word of God. I pray, Father, that, that every, uh, every, uh, every one of us will choose to receive your Word. And not just receive, I'm not just talking about this sermon, but, God, that when we walk out of this place, Father, that we're going to go forth, Lord, and we're going to hold this Bible in our hands. And we're going to realize we've got something in our hands that is more powerful than all these other voices. We're, we're, we're dealing with the, with the real word of God, the unchangeable living seed of your word. And Lord, that we'll go forth, Lord, with a new excitement, Lord God, uh, knowing that we have something, Lord, that will change our world if we'll just receive it. And if we'll just uh, take it in like that and, and live it out like that, Lord. Father, I pray that that word will, will be that seed in our lives. And then, Lord, I pray you'll transform us and that we will literally be the carriers of the seed of the word of God that will transform, starting right where we're at, in Jesus' name. Lord, I, I pray that you'll reign on us by the Holy Spirit, that you'll send the reign of the Holy Spirit, Lord God. The seed goes, gets planted, but, Lord, it requires the rain, the moisture, Lord, to bring it forth. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come now and that you will reign on our hearts and minds in Jesus' mighty name. God, I thank you for it right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me together right now in this place? What we're going to do, I'm going to lead us... For those of you that would like to, be, to, to, to do this, I hope it's 100%. I'm going to lead us in prayer. We're going to begin to, we're going to ask the Lord to, to make that, trans, uh, that transition, that transformation happen in all of our lives so that God's word goes in and transforms us
And then we become the seed that transforms our world. And I'm telling you, as much as God's word is true, it will happen. This is God's word. It will come to pass. It will happen. God will use you this way. I mean, you'll be amazed at what God will do. Don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. And uh, so right now, everybody that would do this, just lift your hand up to the Lord right now. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer right where you're standing. Let's pray this out loud and boldly. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe I have heard a message from you today. I've come to declare my faith. I believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. I believe he died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I declare you are my Lord and Savior. I believe that the Bible is the true word of God. I accept the word of God as the authority of God in my life. Father, I ask you to forgive me for any times where I've let the enemy steal the word or where I have let go of the word of God or where I have chosen my own way over your word. Father, I ask you to forgive. I know that you do forgive me because your word says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So right now, I believe I'm forgiven of ever neglecting your word. But from this moment, Lord, I want to hear your word. I want to receive your word deep into my heart. And I'm telling you, Lord, whatever you say, I believe it. No matter what the world says, no matter what anybody says, no matter what anything looks like, not even what my five senses say, I believe your word. I receive it now. Help me to understand it, Lord, and to obey it. I choose to hear your word, understand your word, and obey your word. And I'm asking that it'll produce fruit in my life and cause me to be part of your word. That I will be your seed sown into this world and that others will see my life and they'll come to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. I receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. 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 Now, I know that was more like a Sunday school lesson. I know it. But I want to tell you something. I believe that every one of us that will go out with this today, something's going to change in our life. 
And I want to encourage you. Some of you already are there. You've been standing. I just want to say this. There's some of you that are listening to me today, and you've been standing on the word about something. And it's been a battle, and there hasn't been breakthrough yet. But I want to encourage you, do not go off of the word of God. Stand on it. Because I want to tell you something. It will ultimately prevail. How many of you have ever seen a little sprig of grass come up and break through concrete? And that little old sprig of grass seems so flimsy, but there's life in that thing, and that life will ultimately break up whatever's there. And it may take a while for it to do all the breaking. And some of us have stood on a thing for a while, and we've stood and we've stood, and we have we we might just see a little tiny crack. I want you to know that concrete of that problem is going to be destroyed before the work of God. Don't waver off of it left or right. You stand fast because in the end, it's God's word that will prevail. Hallelujah. So I encourage you in Jesus' name, whether it's for something in your life or whether it's for somebody who you're standing in the gap for or whatever it is, don't you let up. Don't you? I'm telling you right now, you know, Norval Hayes was a friend of my dad and the Nor- Norval used to say, the patience of God wears the devil out. You'll have to think about that for a little bit. The the enemy's fighting. God's word will prevail. You stand on it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to Jesus. How many of you have received something this morning from this? Give God another praise right now. Lord, we praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. Now, I'm going to turn the service back over. Brother Albert, if you want to come to dismiss them in just a minute. But as I turn it over to him, I'm going to say that I'm going to stand down here. And that if there are those of you that want agreement in prayer, one of the things the Word of God says that where two or three of you are gathered in my name, I'm there in your midst. So Jesus is here right now because we're gathered in his name. Number two, he said where two of you agree is touching anything. And so if you need an agreement in prayer on something, and you want to claim that scripture on anything, whether it's your healing or whether it's some other need, whatever it is, I'm going to be here to agree in prayer with you. But I'm going to, I'm going to turn the service back over for dismissal, and then we'll be here and we'll agree in prayer with for anybody that has special need this morning. God bless you. It's been good to be with you.